0: Hello and welcome to PMI's Uncommon Sense Podcast, tools to improve your work forever. I'm Susanna Clark, Managing Partner with PMI. Our Uncommon Sense Podcast is a 15-minute conversation with our expert consultants. They talk a lot of common sense, although much of it is not common practice. And that's what this podcast is all about. We want you to be inspired to improve your business through learning more about the tools, which can help you succeed and grow. Today, I'm joined by Sean Buckland. Sean, can I ask you to introduce yourself and also talk a bit about what we're going to talk about today?
1: Hi there. Yes, um, welcome to everybody. I'm Sean Buckland. I'm a director consultant with PMI. I've been working in the field of Lean Six Sigma since 2005, and prior to that, I was uh, very heavily involved in organizational change, organizational development, uh, largely coming from a research and a psychology background, two techniques that I found very, very useful in my Lean Six Sigma career. And I work predominantly in service processes, uh, whether it's uh, private or public sector, and I typically do spend my time 50-50 between training other people to do what to do, and helping organisations to fix the more complex problems where they need help from outside. Thank you. And today's topic is the humble Pareto. So I
0: wondered if you could start off by giving us an introduction to that.
1: Yes. So... Many of you are no doubt listening to this or watching this will be familiar with the Pareto analysis, sometimes known as the 80-20 rule. So it's probably familiar to many of you. But for those of you who it's it's new, the Pareto tool is a very straightforward tool to help you to find out what's the vital few things that you need to focus on. And when there are so many opportunities for what you could improve, it's about helping you make uh, that decision. What should I focus on first? So I thought that would be a really great place to start. I call it the humble burrito because it's generally well known now as a tool, but that doesn't make it any less important for it.
0: And so from a benefits perspective, it's about the vital few. Is that right? Is there anything else?
1: That's right. But the, the benefits go go wide and deep. And I think that's what makes this such an exciting and interesting tool to to really become a master of. So one might start with a, a situation. Let's let's take a fairly straightforward situation whereby in a service environment, maybe I'm in the call center and what I'm trying to do is work out how can I improve customer service. That's a very typical scenario. And what I might do is sample the next hundred calls that come in or the, or the last hundred calls that came in and I'm just sitting and recording them. And what I might be doing is categorizing, analyzing and listening carefully to those calls to say... What was the issue that led to that caller needing to call in? And categorizing that, standardizing those categories, and then building up a nice little histogram that says, on the left, this is the primary reason why customers are calling in. And that then leads us to the ability to ask the simple question, but not necessarily easily answered question of, should we have eliminated the need for that call in the first place by having better service design? In a factory environment, you might see something very similar, whereby you might, for example, have machine downtime greater than expected, um, and it's interrupting with the flow of the work, and the engineers, the maintenance team might be going out and collecting the reasons why the machines are breaking down. And again, you could do the same thing, build it up, uh, build up that picture, see what are the vital few items, the 20% of the causes, the causing 80% of the downtime, and then they can go into their analysis mode to do some total productive maintenance designs, et cetera, et cetera, and therefore eliminate most of those things. So in each case, what it's doing is it's separating out all of that noise and allowing you to say, where do I go first? And so the benefit of that is quite simply the amount of time it will save you. (laughs) You don't need to spend time discussing all the possible things that you could fix and then having to argue or cup them up with complex cost-benefit analyses. It's right there in front of your face, and you can normally pull that data together within sometimes less than a week, even if you haven't currently got that data available in the system.
0: I can imagine a situation where, for some people, they might focus on what seems like a big issue what you're saying is it may not be a big issue that occurs very often and actually they're missing all the things that happen all the time and that's what burrito helps you to understand
1: yeah absolutely Susan. it's one of those amazing things because we're human beings so we rate the importance of something at an emotional level it's an emotional discussion it's an emotional decision that we make within ourselves sometimes unconsciously so the thing that bugs us the most may not be the most valuable thing to fix from the overall business as a system point of view. What this does is allows the rational discussion. So the thing that bugs you most might be coming up third or fourth on the list, because that's the one that's causing you personally the most pain. But also exactly as I think you were just saying there, sus sometimes the things that happen day in day out we actually start treating as if it's normal, as if it's okay. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and therefore, we stop noticing it's even a problem in the first place. And it brings it back into the sharp relief that says, hang on a second, do you realize that this is the number one problem? A quick example of this was a, a credit control project I was working on um, in the NHS and the, there was every month, the amount of debt overdue beyond 30 days was just going up and up and up by about 7% a month. So it was not in substantial amounts of money. So by the time it got involved, we were up to many millions of delayed payments. And in the NHS, that's a significant issue. And we ran the Pareto analysis and over 90% of the delayed invoices were down to something that people didn't even realize was a problem. Despite the build up, because each individual invoice was only for 10, 20, 50, 100 pounds. And they'd been focusing quite sensibly, they thought, on the invoices that were worth hundreds of thousands of pounds and thought, if we fix those, we'll fix most of the problem. But of course, those were actually relatively few, only counting for one or two invoices, not even one or 2%, one or two invoices. And they were the difficult ones to fix. And what we found was in this particular case, there was confusion around the funded nursery places uh, for childcare places for the staff. And so people were just not paying their invoices because they didn't know how much they wanted to pay and it didn't match their reality. So we went and tidied that up, cleared off all of that, and suddenly the credit control team had the time to go and work on the more complex invoices. And it only took us a matter of about three months to clear the entire backlog. And funnily enough, the last two invoices to clear Were the two biggest. But by that time, we were down to only a few hundred thousand pounds of bad debt. So it's an example about how Pareto helps us focus on the vital things, which may not be the obvious things until it's slap in your face.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. And I I think that's a really great example. The the comment about you just stop noticing it just becomes the normal. Um, Mm. So therefore, we don't think it's a problem that actually is often causing the biggest. Heart of the problem i think that's a great example thanks any particular tips advice that you would give you know based on the experience you've had of using Pareto in different scenarios so for anyone who's listening who's thinking actually this could be really great this could fix exactly some of the things we're wrestling with what would you advise them
1: Okay. Well, I've got a few, so I'll just mention some because this is an absolute go-to tool that I use over and over again. So number one thing is thinking about your categories in advance. The Pareto tool, if you start with too many categories, the tool will potentially mislead you. So quick example here, we were, we were sampling in a housing repairs environment all the different problems we could find right from the initial call coming in through to the finished invoice at the end. And um, we just sampled for three days, but everywhere. In the end of three days, we had 1,600 separate problems identified. Right. Our initial categorization broke that down into about 125 categories of problem. You put that on a Pareto map, and I could pr- almost certainly guarantee the other category at the end is going yes. to be the biggest category. Because <laughs> yes. there were so many of them where there were just one or two instances in that three days. So the Pareto didn't work. So what we needed to do was go up a level and condense some of these categories into a fewer set of categories, no more than 20. And, and even 10 would be better still, but obviously don't make categories so broad that they'd cease to have meaning. And so what do I mean by that? because it was a housing repairs environment, anything at all that was to do with the tradesperson not being able to get in when they arrived, just became as in unable to get in. (laughs) Yeah, that that just summarized anything at all that was like that. Anything at all to do with um, needing an approval, regardless of the specific problem of what was blocking the approval, you know, but just became a difficult to get approval. And that way we ended up with three main categories of problems. The tenant was chasing saying, when are you going to do my repair? Number two was I need an approval for, to do the repair. And number three was we didn't have the kit on the van. We needed to do the repair. And then it became very, very clear to us. And that 80, 20 again, actually accounted for about 87% of those 1,600. Mm. And when you think about it, you go hmm, oh, hang on a second. The biggest one was the tenants chasing saying, when's my repair? Well, you can imagine if we fix number two and number three, number one might go away a bit because if we fix the, can I get on with the job and can I get on with the job (laughs) for two different angles, then hopefully the tenants will stop chasing their repairs. So we realized the biggest problem to stop was not to tell the tenants to stop calling the call center. It was to fix problem number two and three. And that's my second pro tip. Watch out for. The fact that the furthest to the left, the biggest issue may not be the priority for you to focus on. So it sometimes helps to think very systemically, which of these are more likely to be closer to the root cause to fix. Mm. Yeah, Mm. Don't get distracted by the symptoms when you've got bigger opportunities to go after. And the third pro tip I'd suggest with the Pareto analysis is sometimes it doesn't give you an answer. If you've got your categorization correct, it usually will do, but sometimes that 80-20 doesn't work and it maybe takes 10 or 12 categories to get up to that 80% of the issues. And we call that sort of the old mountain because it's all worn away and it's sort of flattened out. It's not giving us anything useful. And in that situation, a reframing is required. So the most common use of Pareto is you're stacking up the frequency. How many of these particular calls did I get? How many of these particular breakdown reasons did I get? That's great when it works. But when it doesn't work, you need to do something different. The axis on the Y, the height of the chart, is a volume metric. It could be frequency. It could be money lost. It could be time lost. It could be customer level of upset. So, you could take your frequency that you've already got and multiply it by a factor. And that might be, you know what, these times, every time they happen, it's an average of 50 pounds. These times it's happening, it's only one pound. Okay. So, I can multiply my frequency and see if I get a new shape. So, you just have to choose what is the thing that matters most to me the upset customer, the amount of money lost, the amount of time lost, and then find some approximation to multiply your frequency measure by. And then you normally will get a clearer picture of where to focus because it'll also give you an idea of not just the most frequent problem solved, but the biggest benefit to get.
0: I think that, yeah, that's really useful because I can absolutely imagine the scenario that you described at the beginning where you've just got an awful lot of data and it's all pretty similar. And the reaction could be, oh, well, this isn't the right tool. But actually you've given some really useful thoughts and ideas there about It probably is the right tool. You just need to be thinking differently about the way you're categorizing or using that data. Thank you very much, Sean. No problem. Thank you so much for joining us. You can find more episodes of our Uncommon Sense Tools to Improve Your Work Forever in our Knowledge Hub on our website. Or, of course, your favorite podcast platform. And do subscribe so you never miss an episode. Don't forget to check out the show notes for this episode, where you'll find links to more content on this topic, which includes webinar recordings, toolbox guides, blogs and infographics, and our training page. You can always drop us a line on team at pmi.co.uk and arrange a time to have a call to talk about how these tools can help you in your organisation. We'd really love to hear from you.